0: Interviews.
1: Today, we're doing a candy that a lot of people are requesting Toxic Waste Candy. Well, this of them feature a picture of Mr. Toxie Head, and there's a challenge to see how long you can keep one in your mouth. <coughs> <coughs>
2: toxic waste we've got a mountain load of toxic waste it's kind of subtle never in your face toxic waste just feel my heart a-pumpin' It's cause they started dumpin' toxic waste
1: Stuck in between the atomic radiation scares of the 50s and the climate change fears of today existed the little environmental catastrophe that could Toxic waste During the 70s, 80s, and 90s toxic waste weighed heavy in the public consciousness and landfills of America this was no more evident than in the movies where Toxic Waste became the magic elixir that could transform janitors into deformed superheroes, homeless people into bloodthirsty cannibals, and even regular old turtles into pizza-loving ninjas. Join us as we dive into Toxic Waste on the Season 2 premiere of Slumps of Film History. We're
2: raising girls and boys in that amazing poison better known as Toxic Waste.
0: Slums of Film History: A lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a
1: niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in polite company. I'm Slate, and I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from Satanists to avenging hookers to castration. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hey, Slate. Welcome back.
0: Hi, Tom. Nice to see you. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Feels like we never
1: left back behind the mic. It's actually,
0: it's really good to be back. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I missed it
1: yeah yeah me too so uh what did you do during our short break <laughs> dear well dear teacher during my break
0: i it's not like okay. we never see each other we yeah. did you know we we, put out. Together. Um, we had together at christmas and stuff no yeah. you know good. i worked on a couple of other just kind of like side projects i worked it
1: hasn't really been that long no no it's really only been a few months but it's nice it is nice to be back and it's nice to have you back too listeners so thanks, hopefully thanks for coming back yeah hopefully we'll have a good season for you to enjoy i think we've got some good topics this time too so we do I'm we do very excited about it and uh, also before we get started i don't want to forget john patterson is the guy who does our theme song love our theme song so he's got a soundcloud page so look for jp patterson on soundcloud and if you want to hear more of his tracks so yeah. thanks again john all right so let's start with the episode so today's episode is about toxic waste And today's episode actually started when we were recording an episode last season. It was the Scourge of the Homeless episode. We were talking about a movie that dealt with toxic waste and which will come up in this episode. We realized, hey, this would probably make a decent episode. I thought it would. And so I started researching it and realized that toxic waste plays a big part in a lot of movies. And so I found a, an interesting angle, at least that I thought. I'm pumped. I know. Me too. So let's get started. First of all, before we start anything, I want to kind of define toxic waste because a lot of people think a toxic waste is just radiation in a barrel. Basically, Mm -hmm. like just leftover reactor shit in a barrel. And that's kind of true, that's part of toxic waste, but toxic waste encompasses a lot of hazardous materials. Industrialized waste, oil from automotive garages, you know, hospital waste. Heavy metals, not the music, but you know. Oh, you know, I see what you're saying. Fertilizer. You're saying
0: I think toxic waste is green, radioactive green, green slime. slime. And that,
1: you're saying that's not true. It's not just that. It's, it. it encompasses a lot of different products that fill up landfills and that are you know are everywhere. And so when we talk about toxic waste, and when toxic waste was a big fear in America during the, you know the 70s to the 90s. It encompassed all of that. Got it. So when I'm referring to toxic waste, I'm actually talking about all of it and not just radioactive waste. I've already learned something. See, there you go, mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Anyway, to start off, I think it's safe to say that the world officially entered the atomic age on August 6, 1945, when the U.S. dropped the first of two atomic bombs on Japan. First one being Little Boy that was detonated over Hiroshima, and three days later, Fat Man, which was detonated over Nagasaki. The damage from both of those bombs was clearly devastating, of course. But another thing to remember was that this new atomic power was a destructive twofold because of the massive explosion that killed a bunch of people instantly, but also the slow effect of radiation, mm-hmm. which no other explosive, no other type of weapon had that after effect. So that silent menace of radioactive fallout that can mutate your cells in ways unimagined before in human history was an additional fear that went hand-in-hand hand with the dread of massive annihilation. It's these two fears that would find its way into horror films of the 50s. That's sure. where we're starting. So the first film I could find was a movie called The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Mm-hmm. The title, if, if it sounds familiar, was sort of a rip-off of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Right, because right. that was a Disney movie that was coming out around then. And it was trying to capitalize off of that whole thing. Right. So the movie is about atomic testing in the Arctic... That revives this gigantic prehistoric reptile that, of course, goes to New York City and fucks things up, of course. That's where everyone goes to fuck things up up in New York City. So that was the first movie that dealt with that. The next one, though, is the most well-known creature movie, I think, ever. And that's, of course, Godzilla! Did you say it again? This well, night? the d- Japanese is, is Gojira. Gojira. Gojira! I like that better, I think. Well, Gojira is better, yeah. You know, Godzilla slash Gojira is arguably the most famous of all monsters. It was one that definitely defined monster films from the 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah, sure. But in 1954, no less than a decade after the atomic bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the first Godzilla was an embodiment of the country's fears regarding, like I said, the radiation and atomic weapons. It was all those fears personified. And actually, the first movie is really a somber type of film. I just watched it. Yeah, yeah. And I'd seen parts of it before, but I wanted to see the whole thing for this podcast. First of all, let me you know if you've seen a godzilla movie they're usually hokey right mm-hmm. godzilla movies usually they're he's fighting fucking mothra whoever and or king kong or like mecha godzilla and i'll talk about those but the first movie was actually a serious take on a disaster movie the plot is there's nuclear testing that frees this prehistoric creature um, which is godzilla and he comes up to tokyo and basically fucks things up and so the movie dealt directly with those radiation issues and nuclear issues Because even at the beginning of the movie, there's a scene where these fishermen are out in the ocean and they witness this nuclear explosion. And that's the explosion that frees Godzilla. But that scene is actually based on a real life incident. It's called the Lucky Dragon 5 incident. And it was the same year that Godzilla was released. This incident happened earlier in that year. And as these fishermen were out on a boat, this 23-man crew, and there was nuclear testing, like the U.S. was testing, like I think, near the Bikini Atolls or somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. And this fishing boat got that radiation, and these guys got radiation poisoning, oh, and a lot of them died. Mm-hmm. And it was a big to-do, obviously, sure. and a big deal because, you know, these guys were irradiated by nuclear testing. So Godzilla used that scene in the movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I have a question. Sure. Okay. I haven't seen Godzilla in a
0: really long time. So Godzilla
1: just, like, shows up, right? He doesn't just show up. Like, they have evidence that something's going on. Mm -hmm. Some other boats get, like, wrecked. And they see, like, large footprints and stuff. And then, actually, it takes about 30 minutes into the movie before he even shows up. Sure. I guess my question is,
0: what? Like, what? how did that happen? Like, was he a regular-sized Godzilla? They don't really describe it. Like, why is he so big?
1: Well, they don't really describe it. I think... I figured maybe he was a creature of a certain dinosaur size that grew bigger... Uh huh. Because and of... that's insinuated, but it's never explicitly done. It could be that the translation, because I was watching subtitles, mm-hmm. I don't speak Japanese, so I don't know. They... I guess my question is, where was he before? He was really deep in the ocean. Oh, but, but and was... the nuclear testing, I think, killed his food supply or oh. flushed him out of the deep depths of the ocean. I meant to say that a little more explicitly, and then he comes out, and then of course he tramples but He was Tokyo. a water.
0: He lived in the water, he in or the water. he lived in like, or he, he was dead in the. In he
1: was no, he was underwater, just lived underwater, deep enough it didn't matter Okay So he Godzilla. could He could Godzilla. live
0: underwater And above
1: ground too Yes He could do whatever The fuck he wants Good for him And Thank then you, of course To question. add to that He had a radioactive Like breath Fire breath That's my favorite part Yeah mm-hmm. And he trashed I thing. wish I had that And he lit people on fire Uh huh I love that
0: So he totally fucks shit up There are so many people That I would like to light on fire With my breath
1: Yeah That's, that's a good thing to have Yeah Great So Godzilla <laughs> Is obviously famous And there's an American remake Every couple years It seems like But it would have not been that way and probably just been localized if of course it wasn't co-opted by U.S. film audience, meaning they took the original Japanese film, added white people to it, they edited in, like, this white scientist to it, and it became Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh and, of course, that's what made it an international hit. Right,
0: we've ruined everything. And
1: I didn't watch that one. That's also on Hulu. I was going to watch it, but I'd rather have just watched Gojira. Oh, sounds horrible. Yeah. And then, of course, after that became an international hit, then they're like, shit, we have to do a bunch of sequels. Mm-hmm. I mean, but Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Gojira, he died at the end. But then they're like, fuck it, this is money, so... He comes back, right? Yay, Godzilla. Just like any other friend of children. Wh- yeah, any
0: any other horror movie sequel. It's like, no, wait, didn't
1: you kill him? No, now it's he's back. Now the sequel was Godzilla raids again, sure, okay. and then he fights, you know, King Kong, Mechagodzilla, Mothra. Godzilla basically started that whole Keiju genre, which is, you know, giant monsters that destroy things. Sure. And of course, now we have movies like Pacific Rim mm-hmm. and of course the Godzilla remake, which, you know, came out a couple years ago and did yeah, well. Yeah. So, it's, and of, so of course, it was, it, no it, one wants to talk about the one from 98 because that sucked. Is that the P. Diddy one? Yeah. Yeah. Got, yeah. That was Got good. it. Yeah yeah he did he played godzilla that's not true that's That's not not true true. so with the sequels came the ripoffs of godzilla and of course the american movies that bit off of that in the 50s some notable movies that came out right after godzilla did that was a movie called them
2: i tell you gentlemen science has agreed that unless something is done and done quickly man as the dominant species of life on earth will be extinct within a year yes cities nations even civilization itself Threatened with annihilation, nature, mad, rampant, wrought its most awesome creation. For born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things so horrible, so terrifying, so hideous. There is no word to describe them. I've and seen
1: them. Yeah, that was from 1954 also. It's actually a really good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's And it's about atomic weapons testing in New Mexico in the New Mexico desert that spawns a race of gigantic ants yeah, and they threaten the population of Earth. Leonard Nimoy's in that and he has a, mm-hmm. an appearance in that. Yeah. The year after that it came from beneath the sea. Mm-hmm. That was from 1955 and that's about an H-bomb testing in the South Pacific that drives a gigantic octopus from the depths of the ocean and it begins to prey on ships and finally arriving into San Francisco Bay causing havoc. To switch it up a little bit so those monster movies were diamond dime a dozen yeah, yeah. but there was other movies that were trying to take the toxic waste and nuclear radiation thing into different directions one that came out in 1956 was called the incredible shrinking man Mm -hmm. and it was about a guy who gets exposed to radiation cloud while he's out on a boat but then he also gets exposed to this like insecticide, okay, and that causes him to start shrinking. So that's an interesting movie, and for this topic, is because it combines both radiation, but also industrial hazard stuff like insecticides. So
0: that's like the DDT thing, right? And right, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So those two combined cause this guy to shrink. So it was like showing the the after effects of being exposed to those type of chemicals. I think the first movie that really started doing yeah. that. Interesting. Huh? Yeah. So with the discovery of fission, that made the atom bomb possible. That also made nuclear power possible and so even in the 30s there were small nuclear reactors that could run small power grids but it wasn't until the 50s where nuclear power became a viable thing right so thus we had nuclear power unfortunately we also had nuclear waste that came from these power plants running parallel to this We also had post-World War II industrial growth, which means we had post-World War II industrial waste. Mm -hmm. So things like plastics were being invented and synthesized materials like that. DDT, as we talked about, was being used as a a pesticide along with more chemicals, thus more chemical waste, along with nuclear waste. So that's Mm -hmm. just to give you a little bit of background on that. It got to the point where the government realized that something had to be done about all of this. So thus the Environmental Protection Agency was proposed by President Richard Nixon and began operation on December 2nd, 1970, after Nixon signed an executive order. Another thing that happened in the 70s is that there were some high profile incidents that occurred that really raised this concern with the American public that toxic waste was a big problem. One of the first ones and one of the bigger ones was the Love Canal incident. Okay, So the Love Canal is a neighborhood in Niagara Falls, New York, and in the mid-70s it became a major national story when it was discovered that 22,000 tons of industrial toxic waste was buried there by the hooker chemical company that used to own that land. The hooker chemical company? I know, isn't that great? Yeah, Yeah. the fucking hooker. Those hookers. And they... All this time, we
0: thought they were just having sex for money, but they were also developing...
1: Real estate. And they were burying toxic waste there. Mm, So they they buried toxic waste there, sold the land to the real estate developers. They developed a bunch of neighborhoods on there and a bunch of people got sick Mm -hmm. and people had to move and be relocated I think there's hardly anything there now it's like it's all it's still fucked up
2: residents of Love Canal in Niagara Falls reached the simmering point at a town meeting focusing on the poisoning of their environment for over 40 years Hooker Chemical Corporation dumped over 80 toxic substances at Love Canal and the poisons are now seeping into the homes built over the deposit site As serious illnesses rise, panic sets in and home values nosedive. The community has raised its voice for years, but government fails to respond. In the end, what once had been a vibrant community becomes a ghost town. And what does this mean for Love Canal? I'm not sure would ever be safe to live there
1: again. So that happened. Another incident involved Karen Silkwood. There was a woman who worked at the Kerr-McGee Cimarron fuel fabrication site, and she was a she was a labor union activist and a chemical technician, and she had discovered that the safety regulations weren't being abided by and that workers were getting contaminated. So she was essentially a whistleblower. She gathered documents, and she testified in court, and she was going to bring all these documents to this I guess to, to expose this whole thing. Mm-hmm she ended up dying mysteriously in a car crash and all the material was gone oh, it was a big course, mystery yeah. yeah so it was a big deal they made a movie of it in 83 starring meryl streep it got some oscar nominations i don't think anybody won but it was yeah it, that was a big deal in the, movie? the movie was called silkwood Silkwood, yeah. Yeah. and it was named after karen silkwood and then, of course in the late 70s 1979 the three mile island incident occurred which was the a nuclear meltdown in the three mile island that was located near harrisburg pennsylvania and it occurred on March 28, 1979, when there was a cooling system malfunction that caused a partial meltdown of the core. The loss of coolant resulted in the release of radioactivity.
2: Okay. For many years, there has been a vigorous debate in this country about the safety of the nation's 72 nuclear energy power plants. That debate is likely to be intensified because of what happened early this morning at a nuclear power plant in Pennsylvania. Max? Frank, it was an accident at the Three Mile Island nuclear power plant, which is located on an island in the Susquehanna River, 10 miles from Harrisburg. A cooling pump broke down, and the plant did just what it was supposed to do, shut itself off. But not before some radioactivity had escaped. Workers were evacuated, the plant was completely shut down. Late today in Washington, the NRC said, quote, there's a hell of a lot of radiation in the reactor building. Officials of Metropolitan Edison conceded some workers may have been contaminated, but they insisted this was not a serious accident.
1: Fun fact, the movie The China Syndrome, mm-hmm. which is a film about a nuclear reactor meltdown that starred Jaden Fonda, was released just 12 days before the Three Mile Island incident. Hmm. Of course, that movie got boosted. Yeah, know, blew up. Boosted, yeah. yeah, blew up. No because, pun intended. Yeah, no shit. Because of the actual incident that occurred. I'm, I'm sure China Syndrome looked downright prophetic when that occurred. Sure. So I wanted to give you all these, these incidents because this was national news and it really freaked people out. Of course, the movies were like, well, shit, strike while the iron's hot. So let's talk about the 80s or rather the end of the 70s to the through the 80s because that's where toxic waste really comes into its own and that's yep. where the the majority of this podcast takes place Plus a lot of the movies I'm going to talk about I've been dying to talk about anyway Yep Looking at 1979 You can see Even right after all this happened There were toxic waste movies That were coming out Very similar to Godzilla In that they would mutate An animal or something And they would also Kind of use the Man as playing with nature Or abusing nature Kind of theme Mm -hmm. And nature would come back With a vengeance Right One of the first examples Was the movie Prophecy In 1979 Mm -hmm.
2: It is not the offspring Of witchcraft Or Satan it was created by man. It will grow to be 15 feet tall. It will have huge eyes, webbed hands, hooked claws. It will walk upright, and it will mindlessly, mercilessly kill every living thing it meets. Prophecy.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you remember this movie, but it was about a mutant bear. Like toxic waste in the woods fucked up this bear uh-huh. and it was all mutated and melty looking and it was really cheesy. I like the idea yeah, of yeah, a and toxic waste <laughs> diseased bear. Yeah. And <laughs> it goes to the woods and... Like causes fucking havoc And it's great You might have seen this As a meme There was one scene Where you like This guy sees this bear coming And he's like In his sleeping bag And he's trying to hop away from it And it kicks him And he like The sleeping bag explodes It's hokey as shit It's funny We'll put it on the site Because yeah. it's really funny But that's all I got to say About prophecy But it was definitely that You know that whole toxic waste Messes Wait, with nature he kicks the bear
0: And the bear No no the explodes. bear
1: The bear kicks the sleeping bag guy Or hits him okay. it's, it's fucking hilarious Alright I, well, I meant to get you to watch it Before we did this Either way I
0: didn't know bear bear's kick thing
1: kick. well it's a hit on you know, me like <laughs> okay got, it, got it bears can i mean you saw the yeah, remnant. Like, bear i think he kicked leo dicaprio yeah, or raped okay. him i don't know something like that uh, all right so continuing on there's a movie called monster mm-hmm. from 1980 and it's about a rural Colombian village that's attacked by a horrible sea serpent that was that was aroused by industrial pollution in a nearby lake so mm-hmm. there you go industrial pollution caused a sea monster to Destroy Columbia basically. Uh-huh. Makes so. sense. Makes sense. Alligator, nineteen eighty. Yeah, alligator. Alligator's yeah, good, yeah. but that was sort of an urban legend mixed with toxic waste kind of thing. Because there was always that it's based on urban legend that there's creatures that people flush down the toilet that lurk in the source. Right, right. So alligator was based on that. A baby is flushed down a Chicago toilet, survives by eating like discarded lab rats and other junk, and then it mutates in this huge alligator and, and eats people. Uh-huh. And you saw that. I saw that on yeah, cable. yeah. yeah alligator's, alligator's great. Was good. And then there's one called The Being from nineteen eighty three. And that's another one about toxic waste dumping in a small Idaho town turns a boy into a horrible mutant monster it sounds familiar right we'll talk mm-hmm. about th- another version of that the town's police chief it's I, called the bean being oh the being not the bean
0: I was like that's a terrible name yeah, for a movie the, the bean. bean yeah it's not the it's bean. like I don't I don't want to see a movie called the bean no
1: the being okay
0: being yes being
1: yep there you go got it so again, all of these movies are like the wrath of nature, fuck with nature, you, you poison nature, nature comes back so and, come back and get, you. get you. But then something was happening also where toxic waste was being used in more of a comedic sense. So other movies came out. One was called The Incredible Shrinking Woman from 1981. It was a play on The Incredible Shrinking Man, as I talked about earlier. This one starred Lily Tomlin. She was an ordinary housewife, stay-at-home mom or whatever. And her husband was an advertising executive. He was played by Charles Grodin. Mm-hmm. After she gets exposed to chemicals, household chemicals, so it's not toxic waste, it's just industrial chemicals, everyday stuff. Okay. She starts shrinking. And then all this stuff happens where, as she's shrinking, this evil corporation is trying to kidnap her and whatever. Finally, she keeps shrinking, and shrinking until like she almost shrinks into nothing. But she falls into another puddle of like industrial cleansers and household items, mm-hmm. and a mixture of that. And then she starts growing back to size. But at the end of the movie, spoiler, her wedding ring is too tight, mm-hmm. and then she's noticed that her shoes are like busting. She's growing. She's getting. Bigger, she's getting bigger. Right? Yeah. So, and that's the end of the movie. But that one's different because it's not a radioactive waste movie. It's more like the chemicals we deal with every day, so it's sort of a warning against that. And it's a comedy. It was actually a funny movie. It was supposed to be a commentary on modern life. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of modern, there's a movie called Modern Problems that came out the same year starring Chevy Chase. And this is also another comedy, but this time he gets exposed to toxic waste. Well, first of all, he's sort of a loser or whatever. And then one night he gets toxic waste spilled on him, and then he starts developing telekinesis. So he gets all these powers that, of course, he starts using to be a dick and get on revenge on people that were mean to him finally he realizes after a while that he's becoming a monster you know mm-hmm. and so somehow with lightning or some shit he ends up transporting his powers to Nell carter who's in this movie with him oh really yeah that's and, what i would probably do too yeah. i'd be like nel can probably no can this. handle this yeah. that's fine and so he gives his powers to her
0: chevy chase is max fiedler
2: wait, Tuna? an air traffic controller who's losing control he lives a modern life with a modern girl and modern problems everybody dumps on max until a nuclear shower gives him the power and a green light it's true to get even
0: now he's out of control chevy chase he's got hot brains and modern
2: problems I was a bad boy. Modern problems. It'll glow on you.
1: (laughs) But I bring this up one because it's a toxic waste comedy, Mm -hmm. but it's also one of the first examples, at least in movies, that toxic waste gives somebody special powers Mm -hmm. that I've seen.
0: I see what you're saying. Instead of just making them a mutant monster. They have like superpowers. Right, yeah.
1: Now, comic books did that before, and I want to digress to comics for a minute because, again, this is one of the first times I've seen it in movies, but comics have done this since the 60s. I'm going to just give you a few of them. And they'll come into play later on. Spider-Man, he was bitten by a radioactive spider. That's how he oh, got his powers. Oh, that's right. Power. The spider was Spider-Man radioactive. Spider-Man made his debut in 1962, so this is actually roughly 20 years before. So comics got on the radiation tip fairly early. Yeah, yeah. You know, right around the time that movies were dealing with radiation. The Hulk absorbed gamma radiation, and that's mm-hmm. how he became the Hulk. So My radiation and yeah that's why he's yeah. green
0: i know nothing about comics i know I, I do know that the hulk is green
1: yeah and he absorbed gamma radiation that's how he became the right. hulk because there was like a gamma bomb which is something that was invented I in don't comics know what you're talking about I, mm-hmm. nobody i don't know and then there's daredevil who's blind right you don't know who the hell that nope. is but he premiered in 1964 and basically daredevil is a lawyer um, but as a kid he saved somebody from getting hit by a truck like saved an old man that truck was carrying toxic waste toxic waste got on him mm-hmm. and blinded him but an after effect was that all his other senses were enhanced so he kind of like had sonar or something radar radar or whatever sure. and he became a superhero and then even the joker he debuted in the mm, 50s but right. the joker fell into like a vat of toxic waste yeah. when they finally started it like burned, burned his skin yeah burned yeah. his skin didn't really give him powers he was already smart but it made him evil yeah so yeah so toxic waste made the joker as well i'm talking about those for a sec mostly because in the 80s there really weren't and it's not like today where there was a lot of superhero movies there really weren't that many right except true. the latter tail end of the the 80s as when he started seeing superhero movies come into play except for Superman which is 1979 right but the
0: he was an alien right? he was an alien okay, so that good. doesn't
1: count so what I want to talk about next though is what I call the year of toxic waste which is 1984 okay I think this is year is very important because that's when all these toxic waste specific properties came out mm-hmm. so as we were just talking about comic books I mentioned the Hulk and Daredevil and everything else and how they have toxic waste slash radiation origins sure this next uh, one that I'm bringing up is probably the most important 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 toxic waste property ever. Mm -hmm. So the property that I'm talking about is a little cheaply published little black and white comic book written and produced by a couple of nobodies called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. So, for just a little bit of history, the origin story for the turtles paid homage to Daredevil. I mentioned Daredevil. And Daredevil's origin story is that it was a kid who pushed an old man out of the way when this truck was coming. The truck had toxic waste. Right, right, right. Hit him in his eyes and he was blinded. Mm -hmm. So, the joke for Ninja Turtles is that that same thing happened, but instead of hitting this one kid, it hit this other kid who had a fishbowl full of turtles. Mm -hmm. It fell in the sewer. The toxic waste got on the turtles and then they mutated. Right, right. Waste also got on this rat. Mm-hmm. And Splinter. And it became Splinter. Yeah. And of course, initially the comic, it was black and white and moody, and it was like not just homage to the origin of Daredevil, but it was also drawn and written to mimic the whole style of the Daredevil comic book. Got it. Initially. But what's interesting on that is before the cartoon, before the movies, before anything else, just with this comic book, there was already a bunch of rip-offs that came out right after that. Mm-hmm. So you had the cold blooded chameleon commandos, mm-hmm. the post atomic cyborg gerbils, of course, the preteen dirty gene kung fu kangaroos, mm-hmm. the adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters, mm. and of course, there was one called Death Craze Teenage Superheroes, but it wasn't really about mutated. Books, right. But I just like the title, and mm-hmm. I have that comic actually. Oh. But yeah, they were a cult hit for a while. But then they sold out. I mean, I say sold out, but I mean they were co-opted quickly. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was only a couple of years before it came. It was a black and white comic book into a full blown cartoon, you know, animated show for kids. So the Ninja Turtles, yeah, and all the really merchandising, merchandising, the toys, the green slime toys, everything else. So it got licensed by toy companies, got licensed by animation companies. Of course, movie rights. although it took a few years for the movies to come out. But yeah, I mean, the Ninja Turtles were swooped up rather quickly. Yeah. But they had a huge influence for toxic waste based. Entertainment, <laughs> right? Sure. So, yeah, which leads to the second most important toxic waste-based entertainment of 1984, mm-hmm. and that would be the Toxic Avenger. Oh, nice! Toxic Avenger. For those of you who don't know, uh, was released by Trauma Films. Trauma Films is a film company that does like B movies and trashy films, and they take pride in that, and their movies are outrageous. And we'll talk about some more of their films during this podcast. But in 1984, they came out with a movie called Toxic Avenger, and it's about this nerdy janitor who works at this health club, and he's getting picked on by people, and they pull a prank on him where they make him wear this tutu or something, and he is so embarrassed, he runs and jumps out a window and, of course, lands in a bunch of toxic waste. He mutates, totally changes, he's just hulked out, deformed superhero, and he fights crime with his mop, and uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And it's insane. I just watched it again, too, last night, actually, for the podcast. And it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. It's really gross. It's actually pretty uh, offensive. There's a lot of offensive moments in it. Yeah. So it's it's no joke. Well, that's jo- the trauma
0: shtick, too. Yeah, that's it's to be as offensive yeah. as possible.
1: They, they do a good job. It's still got some moments that are just like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So some of the research I did for this podcast was from a book called All I Need to Know About Filmmaking I Learned from the Toxic Avenger. And it's by Trauma Studios co-founder Lloyd Kaufman. And he talks about some of the things in the book about what influenced him into making the Toxic Avenger. Mm -hmm. He said his influence came from, like, just traveling around America. He went on a road trip with his wife and saw a bunch of litter, and he's like, that's fucked up. And he had read some articles about kids who died in South America playing in toxic trash and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So just the whole toxic waste element came from news clippings and things, just things that he'd witnessed and so he merged that into his movie when he dealt with the toxic waste aspect of that. Gotcha. Pretty innovative at the time because there's so many things that follow suit as I'll talk about. It's interesting too because Toxic Avenger is sort of an exploitation mirror image of Ninja Turtles. Both started off sort of independently on their own. Both were cult. Ninja Turtles would have comics, they would have animated series and video games, and actually Toxic Avenger ended up having a, you know a successful movie franchises like Ninja Turtles did. It would also have comics and an animated series. Mm -hmm. So the Toxic Avenger actually had an animated series, which I'm going to talk about. So for some reason, this gory movie. R-rated film. R-rated film. Hard R film. With nudity and exploitation. Somebody was like, you know what? That'll make a kick-ass kid show. Right. And they made one. The way it happened was following Toxic Avengers, the animation company Murakami Wolf. I only bring them up because they're the same animation company that did the Ninja Turtles cartoon. Oh, wow. Propositioned Trauma Studios to make a Toxic Avenger cartoon and they were trying to figure out how they were going to do it and so they're going to call it toxic crusaders where he had other mutated people that he like fought crime this was around the early 90s so it was a captain planet time frame you know mm-hmm. where it was environmentalist type of cartoons that were coming out and so they were like hey this seems like a perfect fit because it's got the ninja turtles appeal of mutated heroes and the captain planet appeal of you know environmentalism and kids right and so they tried to combine the two But again, it's still kind of odd because, considering there's a scene in this movie where like a woman masturbates to a Polaroid picture of a child's crushed head, Uh um, Mm -hmm. I don't know how someone thought, "Hey, that that'll be great." We definitely need children's fair. Yeah, we definitely need to to make a cartoon of this somewhere and you know wedge it in between Smurfs and fucking Land of the Lost. Mm -hmm. And there you go. It only lasted one season. But it got actually pretty good reviews. And I watched a couple episodes. I mean, it's hokey. I feel like Trauma knew that this was hokey and ridiculous. And they sort of made fun of that. Right, sure. But it it only lasted one season. Another side note, just for a little diversion, a little fun fact. Toxic Avenger the Musical came out on April 6, 2009. I remember that, yeah. That premiered in New York, and I guess it did well. It closed on January 2, 2010, but it had like 300 performances. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, Toxic Avenger the musical. Why not? Yeah, no shit. All right, so that's Toxic Avenger. My third 1984 year of Toxic Waste film is, of course, we've talked about it before, Chud, Uh or...
2: Cannibalistic, humanoid, underground dwellers beneath the city of New York are living catacombs. An endless maze of subterranean tunnels. Unfit for anything human. Ah! There, chud. Keep off the street and try to hide. But remember, the dark is their place. The night is their time. And tomorrow, The only things living in the city of New York will be Chuck. So, Chud,
1: for those of you who didn't listen to Scourge of the Homeless, go back and listen to it. Please. Thanks. Mm -hmm. But also, Chud is about homeless people in New York who get exposed to toxic waste in the sewers. They mutate into monsters, and then they come up, and they eat other homeless people, and they eat everybody in New York. Because, of course, as we noted, there's always toxic waste in New York City. Mm -hmm. So, Chud dealt with the the homeless fear in New York, but dealt with the toxic waste fear. But I feel like that either started or helped, or I was going to say it helped perpetuate the trend of toxic waste in New York City, but you already had that with Ninja Turtles, you know, so it seems like everybody was assuming there was this toxic waste buried under New York City.
0: Well, I think New York is known for underground because of the subway and because of the rats and because, I mean, that's where right. when you think about the sewer systems, you know, that's what you think about. Right,
1: that's true. And then, of course, that Love Canal incident happened just a decade earlier mm-hmm. with the buried toxic waste in populated areas, so it's not hard to, to yeah. combine the two. And it, and it makes for an interesting little plot mm-hmm. in movies. And there's some other movies that use that as well. So beyond 1984. We've got other films that dealt with toxic waste, of course. Another trauma film, Class of Newcomb High from yeah, 1986.
0: It's a late night staple.
1: Definitely a late night staple. And it takes place in Traumaville, which is where all these trauma movies take place. Mm-hmm. And it's this high school that's conveniently located next to a nuclear power plant. And an accident, at the nuclear power plant is covered up by the owner. It doesn't want the facility shut down, but the accident causes radioactive water to leak into the school and the drinking fountain. And of course the kids get all mutated and they turn into like, I think honor students turn into gangs and they, it's all, it's trauma and it's gory and stuff like that. Yeah. But it and Chud and Toxic Avenger, I think one of the reasons they got so popular and why that whole toxic waste thing was so prominent too, is that these were rotated all the time on cable. Yeah. All,
0: like all the time.
1: All that they were constantly on, maybe I guess just licensing them to show on cable so cheap I guess I don't know all I know is I would see them all the fucking time all the time and that was kind of like
0: I think it was for me it was like middle school and like early high school that was like the that was late night central you know was yep. double feature night starting at nine o'clock and going till midnight toxic waste movies yeah. high school toxic waste movies yeah you know?
1: yeah they were everywhere yeah and you, you were so exposed to them no fun intended. did mm-hmm. so yeah that whole theme would just kind of continue and filmmakers would use that they would sort of sneak that in there were other movies return of the living dead from 1985 was about mm-hmm. like a toxic gas that brought corpses back to life and it was an interesting concept at the time because by the 80s zombies weren't a thing yeah, yeah anymore they were kind of they came back a little bit with dawn of the dead and i think day of the dead came out in that year which i talk about that in the, my next podcast but zombies weren't a thing so toxic gas reanimating corpses was sort of novel in the mid-80s mm-hmm. slugs from 1988 oh slugs. slugs slugs a bad movie monday staple that yeah. was about toxic waste that got on slugs and they mutated and ate dumb and it was great mm-hmm. I, or, I liked slugs actually, slugs was actually i thought pretty that, good. Th- yeah, thought that yeah. was a pretty good movie yeah. it yeah. had some good scenes into it i enjoyed slugs as well yeah check it out on the website. Yep. It's it's good. And of course, Batman from 1989 showed the origin of the Joker. He fell into vatadoxic ways. And there you go. And of course, Robocop, the scene in Robocop. Do you remember the scene? No. Okay. So they're near the end, spoiler, you guys should have seen the original Robocop yeah, by now. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Where they're chasing Robocop in the industrial place. Uh-huh, I remember Like this. the factory place and the guy's in the truck and Robocot shoots the windshield and the guy loses control of the truck and it runs into this big ass thing of toxic waste that just happens to be there oh really yeah and the guy stumbles out and he's like and he's all fucked up from toxic waste <laughs> on him and then like Clarence Bodiger the main bad guy like he hits him and the guy kind of explodes mm-hmm I know I'm not doing a great job describing it, but it's... You don't remember that? No. I'll show you the clip. Okay. Uh, we can put it on the site for everyone else, too. Sure. But anyway, it's just a little toxic waste type of mm-hmm. homage thing in RoboCop. And it's a great scene. Yeah. And All it's right. gory, of course, because it's RoboCop. So anyway, so you see this toxic waste. People are so used to toxic waste. And it's just like, yay, it's fun. Right. Now we're going to move to the 90s because by the time the 90s get here... Toxic Waste, it's gone from being like a cool thing in sci-fi movies and horror movies to being more kiddie friendly. Yeah, sure. But one movie from 90 that I have to tell you about, it's amazing. It, it, it reminds me a little bit of Chud in that it, it tackled two subjects. It's like Chud tackled homelessness and toxic waste. Mm-hmm. This one tackles abortion and toxic waste. Mm. Yeah, I know you'd be interested in this one. Yeah. This one's called The Suckling, a.k.a. Sewage Baby sewage baby
0: sewage baby I love it already yeah meet mommy and daddy
2: everything's ready mommy's little darling is becoming mommy's little mutant terror the suckling what is going on we're locked in yes trapped in a bordello mommy and daddy must try and survive their wayward offspring. What happened to her? I mean, to get out of here alone. The Suckling.
1: What the hell is this?
2: If you're looking for nail-biting action in suspense, see The Suckling.
1: How would we fucking miss this movie? Mm-hmm. I think this was one that should have been in Your Bad Babies. Yeah. One. Here's the story. So this couple, they want to abort their baby. So mm-hmm. for some reason, they go to this brothel where these illegal abortions are. I guess are that, that makes seems, sense. seems like that. With- so this woman gets an abortion... They flush her fetus down the toilet and they show this little the nasty I mean they show it being flushed down mm-hmm. the toilet, show yeah. it going through the sewer. Oh, but of dear. course it's New York, so it lands in toxic waste. Uh-huh, right. Makes and then sense. it mutates into this fucking monster. Uh-huh. And like the umbilical cord is still attached, but it gets like a talon on it. So its umbilical cord is like a weapon. Uh-huh. It comes back up to the toilet and kills everybody. Oh.
0: I I like the sound of this. Yeah, it's movie. really
1: poorly done, but it's such a great plot and you need to watch. It's yeah. on you. I'm we'll put it on the site because I have a, a link to it. Sewage baby. Excuse me, sewage baby. A.K.A. the suckling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, at the end, spoiler at the end, but it basically crawls back up in its mom, and then she ends up in a sane asylum. It crawls back up in her?
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so special film. I had to mention this movie because I'd never heard of it before and I knew you'd be happy to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so 1990 also marked the premiere of the first live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, which was a hit. Yeah. I mean, it was the second one.
0: Yeah, I was hoping you were going to mention it. Of course I'm going to
1: mention the second one. Because it had Vanilla Ice in it. Yeah, so the second one came out just a year later and it was called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. The Ooze, So even Toxic Waste was in the fucking title of this movie. Right, right, right. So Vanilla
0: Ice wasn't the Ooze. Uh, <laughs> probably Maybe. not intentionally. Conspiracy but, but theory. He, I think he became
1: the ooze. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. For those who haven't seen this movie, it's not worth watching. But there was a song in it by Vanilla Ice. He did the song just for the movie. He also performed it in the movie, mm-hmm. and it's called like Turtle Rap. Turtle Rap. I think. And yeah. it's And it's all it is is Go Ninja. Go, go Ninja. Go Ninja. Go.
0: Go Ninja. Go Ninja.
1: Go. That's it. And that's yeah. the whole song. Yeah. Was it good? It was a hit. Yeah. Yeah. It was baller. So I would say that that is the beginning of the end of Toxic Wastes in movies. Okay. deservedly so. So
0: moving on. So you're saying Vanilla Ice and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles killed Toxic waste.
1: I would say, yeah, I think so. That
0: was like the final.
1: I don't know if it's final, but I think it was definitely on its way out after yeah. that. I think that's fair. Well, like I said, I think in the 90s it became more kiddie. Centric, you know, you had the Ninja Turtles were huge, of course even toxic Crusaders and and Captain Planet Which was ushering this whole environmentalism message Mm -hmm. but even their toys were like toxic waste toys like there were toxic Crusader toys and Ninja Turtle toys had this too Oh, yeah, it looked like a There's one Ninja Turtle toy and I'm gonna put the ad on there Which is very like it's a toilet with this slime stuff on it it's like someone like wanted to combine Ninja Turtles with street trash uh-huh. and, they, and make it a toy about yeah. playing with toxic waste. This is what this was. It was like the slime machine, which slime in the 90s meant toy toxic waste. Yeah, sure. That's sure. what I mean, because it was that green, glowy slime. Yeah. Toxic waste became a toy your kids could play with mm-hmm. basically in the 90s. Yep. Yeah. Oh no! Raphael's in the clutches of the evil foot, flesh torture machine! Will the turtle cycle make it in time? Will Raphael be destroyed by the retro-mutagen ooze? Well, I don't know. What a shot! The double-barreled plunger gun saves the day again. And with their retro catapult, the turtles are giving the foot some of their own medicine.
2: Age, Ninja
1: From Playmates. One thing, though, one grown-up thing that occurred in the 90s that concerned toxic waste was the lawsuit against the Pacific Gas and Electric Company in California in 1993, and that suit was brought on by someone you may have heard of called Aaron Brockovich yeah I knew you were gonna get to this one yeah and so the company allegedly contaminated drinking water in Hinckley California the case was settled in 96 for like 333 million dollars yeah. the largest settlement ever paid in a direct action lawsuit I think in US history mm-hmm. it's crazy of course Aaron's story was made into a film in 2000 starring Julia Roberts the film was nominated for five Academy Awards best actress in a leading role best actor in a supporting role best director best picture and Best Writing in a screenplay written directly for the screen. Roberts won Academy Award for Best Actress. Yeah, you know I
0: loved the movie
1: Armor. It's Rakovich. a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it, good. it was a good movie. So but that that whole case was I think one of the big thing in the nineties and of course the movie brought attention to it as well. Other than that, the nineties were sorely lacking and I think the whole toxic waste plot point in movies just started to fade away. Mm-hmm. What was rising up, I think, in the people's consciousness too, was of course climate change and global warming. Yep. One thing I think that happened though, unfortunately, is that climate change is a shitty plot point in a horror movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, an example of that is the movie The Day After Tomorrow. Do you remember this movie where oh, people of were basically they were running from climate change? Yeah. It was like a tsunami that hit New York, and, and then, then it a, froze, and then it was an ice age. Right. An instant ice age. And then they, everybody moved to Mexico. And Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, South Park made fun of it in an episode as well about yeah. running from global warming. So global warming does not make a, a very good plot point. To cover down on, I think the whole playing God DNA thing took over for making monsters and mutants. Mm-hmm. So all those movies, we talked about Splice, which was kind of a playing God movie. But even in movies that dealt with characters who had a past, like a toxic waste past. Okay. For instance, they changed those in a lot of these films. Like in the latter Spider-Man movies, it was genetically modified spiders. There were not radiated spiders anymore. Oh, really? uh, Yeah, so that whole thing. Oh, I
0: get it. Genetically mutated. Yeah, Right. this whole DNA
1: thing is what replaced toxic waste when they realized that that. that climate change doesn't really work. I mean, I I think there's some plot points where it's like an ice cap melted or something in the environment broke and then mutant... Piranhas came. I don't know. Is that the, the Piranha
0: 3D? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. There is was. Like global a, warming opened up. I mean, up it was hole? like there was an earthquake okay. and the earthquake opened up this right. this previously. These, it was like, like a prehistoric. Uh, yeah, it was like a uh, bubble of water
1: where the piranhas right. lived. Yeah. See, this was the old days. Nuclear waste would have gotten on them and they'd have right. sure, and, yeah, yeah. But some older properties that have been rebooted have kind of kept their radiation slash toxic waste origins. For instance, Godzilla is still a radiated beast. Like Mm in The the latest movie that came out a couple years ago, it was a nuclear explosion that made him. The Hulk, still in the new movies, out now. He's still, like, they talk about his gamma origins that he was irradiated. Right. And even Daredevil, which is a TV show that's on Netflix, which I like. It's a nice show. Still, it was a toxic waste that got in his eyes and fucked him up. So they kept those origins, but, you know, what's interesting is one of the, the, the number one Toxic Waste Property Ninja Turtles, Mm -hmm. that reboot, which I know that you enjoyed that and you're a part in that. Yeah, I I worked on that. Um, Not on the
0: movie, but uh, I did some brand partnership stuff. So I actually saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the reboot in the theater. Which is funny for me because I never go see movies like that in the theater, right. but yeah. I can't say anything bad about it because I've worked on it. So if you want me to insult it, I'm not going to.
1: I'm not going to insult it either because I didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that it is telling that even the Ninja Turtles, who were the poster children for Toxic Waste, their Toxic Ooze origins was actually changed to a mutagen genetic altering serum thing as their origin story now. Was it? Yeah. So they're not even I radioactive was so anymore. So
0: wasted when I saw the movie. I'm not even choking I got that's probably the best way to, it. It to I, go. Wasted. That's say exactly
1: it. Yeah. as I would have seen it. Like so.
0: falling down. That's the best yeah. way. That's good.
1: It, it was sloppy. Yeah. Well, that's good. So even the Ninja Turtles don't commit to, to toxic waste anymore. And I think that's telling. With that being said, I do find it interesting that these days toxic waste is barely even mentioned when discussing environmental concerns. I mean, I know air pollution and fossil fuels, but really, I don't. You don't hear shit about. Toxic Toxic waste mm-hmm. these days i mean the only thing that i've heard is something what was it the japan well that, yeah that's yeah. a good thing you're bringing that up that reactor in japan and actually i just read a story about that fujiana yeah, just Fuchikama. came out yeah just came out yeah they they can't even go inside it because it's and the radiation's so bad with the melted cores that are in the middle of yeah. it So, I mean, that's a real disaster that happened. And I know everybody here that's listening knows about it. And it's still a problem now. Mm -hmm. They can't even go in there and clean it up because it's so bad. So that's one example that's here. But it's not even treated as a constant concern like it was back in the day. It it seems like it's treated more as an anomaly than a a constant problem as much as, you know, we talk about fossil fuels and CO2 and carbon footprint type of stuff these days. I mean, toxic waste is still around. That shit's still there. Yep. You know, it's still under New York City. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I know. Turning I, critters Every time into I mutants. flush my baby down the toilet, I'm like, this, <laughs> this could have on consequences. You're pins and needles yeah. hoping
1: that your baby doesn't come back and kill you with his umbilical cord. No, I know. I think about it all a the time. Riding a mutant alligator yeah. up
0: through the sewers. No, I mean, that's how I get to work, so.
1: <laughs> exactly. See? Got to love New York. This is why I like to go visit. You uh-huh, never know yeah. what you'll see I'm there. glad to have you. I, I like
0: to share our toxic waste with you when you come.
1: Yeah. I think that should be on the tour, like part of the tourist mm-hmm. campaign. Make it happen. Yeah. I don't know. I think the closest thing out, I think maybe people don't believe that radiation will do that anymore or they, it's a suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Although they'll believe that you can modify anybody's DNA to become like a magical superhero. So I think right. it's just shifted to yeah, something sure. that's a modern topic people like to talk about. Right. But, but I like the old toxic waste stuff. Yeah.
0: Me too. And it's kind
1: of a solve all,
0: you know, it's right. kind of like, oh, I need to do this thing. Oh, I'll just dip it in toxic waste. And then anything is possible. Anything after is possible. That. So yeah. it's, it was a, it's like it a is. magic serum. Yeah, yeah. It's, a,
1: it's this magic elixir. it can mean everything to all people. Yeah. Anything to all people. So it's great. But these days, it's just kind of falling out of fashion. Mm hmm. One instance, though, that I noticed, I don't know if you've ever seen What Hound American Summer, the movie. I have, yeah. Oh, did you see the show? I did. So they kind of bring up toxic waste as a plot point oh, in the end of Yeah, the show. They, fi-
0: they, they see find a puddle like a, of, of it, it yeah. yeah. And, and the, it
1: becomes like, what do we do about it? It's right. kind of a Jaws
0: kind of plot, isn't it?
1: Kind of, Well, there's a bunch
0: of different plots. Yeah, but it's they, like, we have they, to shut down the camp. No, we can't shut down the camp, right? Was that yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a Jaws plot.
1: Yeah. Kind of but thing. they were sort of paying homage to the 80s toxic waste plot of everything. Yeah, so that was fun. I was glad that they brought that up.
2: Mm-hmm. An adult committed relationship. I realize that's a very foreign you. Spare concept me the graphic you. details.
0: You spare me.
2: Shh, shh, shh.
0: What? What are they doing? What is it? Just suspected. Toxic waste. Oh my god. And given the consistency of the sludge, I'd say it's been seeping out of the water table for weeks. Jesus. Even its proximity to the lakefront, I'd say we've got less than 24 hours to restore the ecology. Or every living thing within five miles of here could die.
1: All right, we've got to go back to camp, find Mitch, tell him what we saw in the woods,
0: and get his take on the situation. Let's go.
1: To close this down, I'd just like to think that, you know, we should always remember the toxic waste and its industrialized atomic history is still here. Even though we don't recognize it or acknowledge it, it's still here. It still affects us, and perhaps in movies or elsewhere, a containers container is just waiting to be discovered by some harmless rodent, aborted fetus, or a shuffling vagrant, who end up becoming a hero to save us from ourselves, or an unstoppable monster determined to destroy us all. Any thoughts? I did not know most of these things.
0: Oh, um, good. I knew about, obviously, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Class of Newcomb High. But, you know, it's really interesting, the political implications and the environmental implications. I know. I guess I never put all that stuff together. So that's great. And thanks for talking about Erin Brockovich.
1: No, I, I, I knew I had to. Of course I did. She's so sassy. I
0: when know. she goes after the, you know, goes after the Toxic Waste Corporation.
1: And she uses her sexuality against them, too. I love that. It's that's, good. No, it's a good movie. Yeah. It's a good it's a good story. Yeah. All right, well I'm, I think here it is, the yeah, first good. episode of
0: season 2. You should check out them though. Them is actually a really it is a there's good movie. so many shitty monster movies, that is not one of them. No, that's, that's a, a really solid movie. good one. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah it's good. It's definitely, and actually, Gojira, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. it's not like any of the other Godzilla movies that you may have remembered watching on Saturday mornings. It's really a serious, somber movie. Yeah. So it's worth checking out. Yeah. And of course, Sewage Baby. Gotta see Sewage Baby. Oh my god, I'm gonna watch Sewage Baby. Yeah, we're gonna watch Sewage Baby tonight.
0: So in closing, guys, if you like the show and you want other people to hear it, please review us on iTunes. It's kind of a stupid thing to ask, but... It's a no it's a pain in the ass but that's kind of what you have to do. Yeah we're, um,
1: we're pandering yeah a little bit so
0: we don't just want to listen to people say nice things about us the way that iTunes works is that's the way that we move up the charts so the more reviews that we get you can say mean things about us if you want the more reviews we get the higher up and that means that we can get the show to people that would actually enjoy it so two seconds and just review us on iTunes
1: yeah we do appreciate nice things said too though so (laughs) you're like I want to read nice things so don't hold back any nice comments if you have them we appreciate those too that makes sense right All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can view links to some of the movies we talk about today along with pictures, videos, and additional resources as well as Bad Movie Monday, our recommendation for the worst of the worst films every Monday night.
0: If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies.